how it lights my path, how it guides my way. This is Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 31 to 41. Then some of the scribes And Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 1 and going through to verse 9. Now, after the Sabbath... As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the men, to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Amen. Father, we just firstly thank you for Debbie. Thank you for her loving you, for her understanding you, and in her ability to reveal your truth to us. And we pray that you will give us hearts and minds and spirits that are open to hear listening for what you would have speak to us this morning. Ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David. Good morning, everybody. So you know what we're supposed to say on Easter morning? Christ is risen. Exactly. He is risen indeed. I don't really like the word indeed. Um, It's not kind of 
one that we use often, is it? But it's a good thing to say to one another on Resurrection Sunday. Christ is risen just means, yes, he definitely is risen. And we do that because as Christians, as those who love and follow Jesus, we do that because we are affirming, aren't we, the fact that Jesus is alive and that he is at work currently, right now, in our lives. That's why we're saying it to one another. Christ is risen. Yes, he really is risen. Yes, in fact, there you go. It's that bit better. Risen in fact. We can make up our own version. We don't have to go with the traditional version if we don't want to. But, but it's a good thing, isn't it? Because Jesus is alive and he's at work amongst us this morning. And today, the message that I wanted to bring to us, actually before, you can bring the um, PowerPoint up, but actually before I just um, enter into that, I just really felt from Walter's painting and reading earlier um, the fact that Jesus is alive and moving in our lives, I felt that maybe as Walter was reading that and we were reflecting on this painting here, maybe there were some of us who were really identifying with that journey of Jonah in those words. I don't know if you were, but Jonah was locked in that very dark place, wasn't he? And he thought his life was over. And I was just struck as I was listening to Walter kind of bringing that story to life. I just felt that the Lord Jesus was moving amongst us and maybe there were one or two of us who felt very locked and trapped in a dark place at the moment. And I felt the Lord Jesus was saying to you, your journey also is not over, that there's a way up and a way out of that place. Just like Jonah was forging the key in those dark moments, the Lord Jesus is giving you a key in these dark times and he's leading you through and there is a time of resurrection life and joy and freedom and breakthrough coming that journey's not over just like it wasn't for Jonah he thought it was but it wasn't over and maybe that's for some of us maybe that's a word that Jesus is speaking to some of us this morning but I was thinking about our passages today and I wanted to call the message this morning, follow the signs. And we'll come to that in just a moment. But first, I want us to think this morning about the question, what makes people believe? What turns somebody into a believer in Jesus, a believer in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that we're all celebrating here on Easter Sunday today? Many of you will have um, picked up some research that has been out there in the Christian scene, but also wider than that in the secular scene recently. It's called the Talking Jesus Survey, and it was an independent survey that was taken last year from a complete cross-section of the UK population, and all about people's views and thoughts about Jesus. And astoundingly, there were some incredible statistics in there, and we were assured by the person who presented them to us that they were not skewed in any way, um, that this was a very scientific um, survey that had been completed with only like a, something like 1.4 margin of error, something like that on the percentages. But this survey told us In the UK, that 45% of the people living in the UK today believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 
Isn't that good news? I think it deserves a little clap. (laughs) 45%. So some of those people, 16%, believe that it happened word for word as we read about it in the Bible. But the rest say that even if they're not sure about all the details and, you know, um, all the ins and outs, they believe that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead happened. And then 41% were saying they don't believe it happened at all, and the rest of the population were not sure. So I was thinking about those statistics, and I thought, what makes people believe then? Because obviously not all of those 45% people are in church every Sunday worshipping the risen Jesus, are they? But what makes them believe? Why can we, as human beings, be presented with the same facts and the same kind of arguments and the same ideas, but some of us come away convinced and others of us don't? And if you are a Christian here this morning, and if you are already believing in Jesus today, And if you've already been following him for a while, maybe, then you may have had friends who've said to you things like, oh, I wish I could have faith like you do. Anyone ever had someone say that to them? I wish I could have faith. You've got faith. I wish I could have faith like you. I wish I could believe, but somehow I just can't. And sometimes we start to think, don't we, that maybe some people are just sort of predisposed to have faith, and they're just kind of made that way. They're just made to be believers. They're made to be the crazy, full-on Christians. They're made to be the all-singing, all-dancing charismatics. They're made to be that. That, That's just kind of somehow in their makeup. It's, It's what they are. And others of us just maybe aren't quite like that. We're doubters, or we're skeptics, or we can't quite get our heads around the same things. But I really want to say to us this morning that that is not the case, that anybody can believe. I want to say that again. Anybody, any single one of us can believe. Anyone can have faith. Anybody can enter into a real and living relationship with Jesus Christ if we will just be willing to follow the signs. And that's what I want us to think about from the story that we've read this morning. I wonder how many of us here in this room today would say that we followed some signs on our way to meeting Jesus and giving our lives to him. Perhaps we should have a little show of hands. Who felt that there were some signs in their journey with Jesus? Yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, let more coming up. Yeah, some signs that kind of pointed you in the right direction and you moved along with them and then suddenly you found faith. You found life. You found love in Jesus. And signs often do play a really important role for us in meeting Jesus And I think actually it is really a wonderful thing, isn't it, that we have a God who is committed to helping us find him. 
He's not just leaving us stumbling around in the dark and confused, tripping ourselves up on our way to him. He wants to help us. He wants to communicate with us. He wants to show us things. He wants to reveal more of who he is to us. And in these verses that we read, that David read to us about the resurrection account, we read that there were some signs for those women who were the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, the first to see him raised from the dead. And there were some signs that helped them along their way until that point where they finally met Jesus and knew that he was real and knew that he was alive. And I want us just to look at a couple of those signs because maybe they're the sorts of signs that we might see in our lives too. Maybe they will resonate with us in some way. First of all, there was a sign of the rolled away stone. You can see that picture. There we go. The rolled away stone. This was a sign of Jesus' resurrection. When we read this uh, story in some of the other Gospels, in Mark's Gospel particularly, the account tells us that the women were actually talking on their way to the tomb, on their way to anoint Jesus' body with the spices, the embalming spices that they carried with them, which was their tradition around the dead. And they were worrying, Mark tells us. They were anxiously talking about how were they ever going to move that huge and heavy stone that barred the entrance to Jesus' tomb. They wanted to get in to anoint the body, but how were they going to move the stone? But when they arrived, they found, didn't they, as our reading told us, that the stone had wonderfully already been moved for them. It was a very practical problem that they were facing, a very down-to-earth kind of anxiety. We're not strong enough to move the stone. And I imagine that they were kind of praying about the situation before they went because they didn't have a solution to this problem. They didn't know how it was going to be resolved. They knew they couldn't move the stone. They knew it was too heavy. They didn't know who else would be around to help them. So they were going. And I imagine they were sort of If not properly praying, they were kind of worry praying. Do you know anyone else do worry praying? You know, where you're kind of turning it over in your mind and you're sort of asking God about it, but it doesn't really have enough faith in it to really call it prayer. You know what I mean? I imagine at least they were doing that. Maybe they were actually praying. And they were probably saying to themselves something like, oh God, you know, oh God, if you really want us to do this, if this really is the right thing for us to to honor Jesus' body in this way, we feel it's the right thing, but if it really is the right thing, will will you do something about it? Will you move the stone somehow? Will you get it done for us? And then they get there and the stone is moved. And it's a sign. It's a sign to them that God was hearing and answering even their unarticulated prayers. It's a sign for them that actually God was already ahead of them on this journey, that he was moving and acting on their behalf. He was taking care of them. He was providing for them. He was opening up the way for them. And maybe some of us here, 
we're very aware of those kinds of signs in our lives. We've seen them. We know them. We recognize them. You know, where we put up a prayer here and there, and almost unexpectedly, God answers in the very everyday stuff that concerns us, the stuff of life, the things that matter to us. Maybe they don't seem like they matter in the bigger picture very much, but they really matter to us, the very earthly and practical stuff like moving a great big giant stone. And I was reminded as I was thinking about this of a lady um, many years ago when I was working with the New Life congregation. And a lady came into the congregation for the first time. And at the end of the church meeting, I got talking to her. And she told me that she had come along that morning because for the last few weeks she had had some really, really bad neck pain. Um, She thinks she probably pulled a muscle or slept funny or something like that, but it had been going on for weeks. She couldn't get rid of it. She was taking loads of painkillers, but it wasn't sorting it out. And she kind of kept complaining about it in her day-to-day life Um, until eventually her grandma that she was quite close to said to her, You should just go to church and get that prayed for and get it sorted out. Now, she told me, as she was telling me this story, she said she wasn't even really sure that she believed in God at this point in her life. And she certainly was not interested at all in going to church. That's not where she wanted to go. But she was in so much pain that after her grandma had said these things, she found herself kind of praying or a sort of half prayer, you know, like the ones we all recognize, where she was kind of like, okay, Jesus, all right, okay, if you take away this neck pain, then I will go to church like grandma wants me to, you know, sort of bargain prayer that was going on there because she wasn't really sure there was really anyone listening on the other end of it. But the next day, she told me, she woke up and she realized that there was no pain at all in her neck at this point. And she remembered the prayer that she'd prayed and she thought to herself, well, I suppose I'd better go to church because this neck pain suddenly going, maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe I just took about enough ibuprofen at that point that it sorted it out. Maybe everything just clicked back into place, but maybe... This is like a bit of a sign to me that I should go to church. So she decided that Sunday and she walked along to us. We were her nearest nearest church meeting to her. And you know, during that meeting, Jesus really met with her. And she actually ended up becoming a fully committed Christian and a member of the congregation there. And uh, was was worshipping with us for many, many years before she moved away. But it was like that sign of that little answered prayer in her day-to-day life, pushed her along the journey to meet with Jesus. And there are these kinds of signs in the everyday stuff that concerns us, and they show us that God is interested in us and that he wants to help us and he wants to look after us in our lives. And I bet that if I asked you right now that I would be able to get hundreds of those kinds of stories from lots and lots of us in the room. We know the truth of these kinds of signs. Jesus is alive and he's at work among us. But there are also other sorts of signs. And secondly, I want us to think about Another one that appears in this story, this resurrection account in Matthew. 
because there was a rolled away stone, just like they'd hoped for. But at the same time, there was also a great shining angel here. I quite like that because he's glowing in that picture. He's not maybe as big as I sort of imagine it might have been, but it doesn't really say big, but dazzling and shining. And this angel, it says his appearance, it was like lightning. And he was so awesome that the guards who'd been guarding Jesus' tomb passed out. (laughs) And the women themselves, they were initially terrified by what they saw. So it must have been a huge kind of supernatural experience that those women had. Remember, it was early in the morning. It was still dark. It was only just as dawn was breaking. They had not had a lot of sleep. They would have been overwhelmed with all kinds of sorrow and emotion. And then suddenly this dazzling experience of a heavenly being breaking into their consciousness, breaking into their earthly experiences. All they were expecting to find as they approached that tomb on that early morning was to find a dead body in there, a quiet tomb. And instead, they found an earthquake and an angel and a message coming to them from the heavenly places that Jesus was alive. And I'm sure that it sent kind of, you know, shivers down their spine. And I'm sure that the hairs proverbially on the back of their necks were were pricking up. I'm sure that it gave them that buzz, that exhilaration of a kind of out of this world sort of an encounter, a supernatural kind of sign a spiritual experience to point them to what God was doing. It's a different sign from a stone that has moved. It's a supernatural, spiritual kind of sign. And some of us have had those kinds of signs in our lives. We've had moments where we know that something supernatural is happening. And there's a powerful spiritual experience that we encounter. And sometimes people can even be quite scared by those moments because it's like suddenly the supernatural world is opened up to us. The curtains are pulled back. We see things that we're not expecting. We experience things and touch things that we don't in the everyday. And I remember um, two young men that uh, myself and Stephen McArdle from New Life. That's my Northern Irish accent. It's not very good. Stephen from New Life Congregation. We were out doing some outreach once in Greenwich years ago. And I remember there were these two young men that we got into conversation with, um, the two of us. And, and we were talking and we were working really hard. We we're trying to be very good evangelists. We were working really hard to get some kind of useful conversation going with these two lads. But I remember kind of every question that we asked, everything we thought might provoke thought or discussion was just falling dead and they just kind of were like no we don't believe in God no we don't believe in anything no we don't want to go to church no we're not interested and it was going like that and you would have thought that probably we should have given up but for whatever reason we were very zealous that morning and so um, we kept pressing on trying to engage them and eventually one of us just said oh look can we pray for you just right here and now why don't we pray and ask God to just show you that he is real 
And um, they kind of looked at us like we were a bit weird and a bit mad. And I don't think they really knew even what to expect. I don't think they really had a picture of what praying for them might look like in that moment. But they sort of were like, yeah, all right then, whatever, yeah, sure. And so Stephen and I, we just laid a hand on the shoulder of each of these young men. And we both sort of closed our eyes and we both prayed a prayer for them. And I remember when we opened our eyes, it was a bit um, intimidating because suddenly these guys were like looking at us like this. Like this, like with these eyes that were huge, like pulled back like this. And they were staring and one of them just immediately was like, what did you do? What did you do? Like that. And I was like... I was just praying, you know, just praying. And he said, I felt this heat. He said, this heat went through me from my head to my toes. And then the other one was like, I felt it too. It was like electricity. And then they started talking and they were actually really freaked out. I think they were actually quite scared um, of us in that moment. But we were able to just say, no, all that happened there was just God answered our prayer. The Holy Spirit touched you. He broke in to your experience and he wanted to show you that he's real. And, you know, from that moment, you know, they were like hairs standing on end. We could practically see it. They were really like freaked out. But they started to talk and they started to open up more and more. And they started to talk about their lives and and faith in a much more honest kind of way. Suddenly the barriers came down. They talked to us about what it would mean to know Jesus And they didn't immediately become Christians then and there or anything like that. They didn't even start coming to church. But what they definitely knew and kept saying as they walked away was that something, they knew that something supernatural had happened to them. And there are in our lives, aren't there, spiritual experiences that we have and and they kind of lift us out of the everyday stuff of our lives and they kind of put us into a different place, a a higher place or a, a different realm. We have maybe dreams, maybe some of us have had dreams that have really affected us. We know that they had a spiritual nature to them or visions that we see or experiences that we encounter and these things can point us towards Jesus being alive and the fact that he's pouring out his spirit upon us. But you know, both of these kinds of signs, they're still only signs. They're only the signs. They were pointing those women towards something else, towards something greater and better. They were pushing those women towards an actual encounter with the risen, living Lord Jesus. They were pointing them to a moment where those women actually met with him in verse 9. And it says they fell down at his feet and they grabbed hold of his feet and they worshipped him in that moment. And that moment is the point of the resurrection account and story. And that is the point of the signs that Jesus shows us in our lives, that we will respond to them and follow them and move with them and meet with Jesus and worship him as Lord and build a relationship with him and follow him from this day onwards And you know, some people, they see the signs, 
but they don't follow them far enough until they actually encounter Jesus. Sometimes we can be satisfied with the everyday kind of help from God that comes, the answers to prayers that we throw up here and there. We can be satisfied with the out-of-this-world supernatural thrills that we get from time to time. But all of this is only the signpost pointing to Jesus. We need to respond to those signs and take some steps if we're actually going to meet him fully in the flesh. And in those earlier verses that we read, the verses that describe the inspiration for this beautiful painting that Walter showed us, Jesus called his death and resurrection that he was prophesying was going to happen before too long. He calls it a sign to his generation. And he described it as the sign of Jonah. Why would he talk about the sign of Jonah? Why would he call his death and resurrection the sign of Jonah? Well, Jonah was a prophet who was speaking about 800 years before Jesus was born. But he was a northern prophet from the northern regions where Jesus was actually ministering at the time in Galilee. That is where Jonah came from. So he was an appropriate prophet to point to in that moment. And Jonah, if you read his story in the Old Testament, he offered up his life willingly as a sacrifice to save the sailors from the storm. He said, come on then, throw me into the sea and you will be saved. Sounds a little bit like Jesus, doesn't it? And his death willingly offered up as a sacrifice for our sins. And then Jonah, he came back pretty much from the dead. (laughs) Not many of us would have expected him to have survived an experience like he had. But after three days in the belly of that great fish, He was spat out. He was resurrected, if you like, so that he could walk again in the land of the living and get the attention of the Ninevites who he'd been sent to preach to. And so, similarly, Jesus would rise again, he was saying, from literal death this time after three days to get the attention not just of one people group, but to get the attention of the whole world with his message of salvation and eternal life for every one of us who will say yes to him. And so that sign of Jonah, it is a good description of Jesus' death and resurrection. But when Jesus uses it as a description, he is saying it as a challenge to his generation. And the challenge comes because the state of our hearts can determine how we see a sign, how we interpret it, and whether or not we're actually going to follow it. And Jesus was challenging his generation and saying, it matters where you're at in your heart. You can see signs galore, but it matters where you are at in your heart as to whether you will actually move and follow or not. And I was thinking because recently I did something that illustrates this point quite well. 
It's very silly. Um, I was driving from my house, actually not far from my house at all. And in fact, it was down um, Denise's road. I wonder if Denise or Michael was here, but I don't think they are this morning. But um, it's very close to my house. Um, I was driving down this road and there was suddenly, where there hadn't been before earlier when I'd been driving down that road just earlier in the day, there was a road blockage with a sign that said on it, road closed, access only. But I wanted to get through that blockage. And there were some cones there, but the cones had been spaced out with just about enough of a gap that I knew I could actually squeeze my car in between. And I was thinking, probably the reason there is that gap is probably because cars can actually get through. And that this sign, you know, may not be quite fully telling me the whole truth. And so I squeezed my car in between the cones and went beyond the sign that looked like that. Um, And, uh, you know, inevitably, I suddenly approached two massive diggers that were kind of facing each other across the road. There was literally no way to get past. There was a massive, massive hole in the road that they had started digging. And because of all of the equipment and the diggers and the people and the you know, barriers and whatever, I I literally had to do like basically a 15 point turn, you know, so embarrassing in front of these people who were just looking at me like, there was a sign and you just ignored it and came down here and I like eventually managed to turn around and come back out again. But the reason why did I just ignore, like it wasn't exactly that I didn't believe the sign It wasn't that. I I think I probably knew that the road was being blocked off and I thought maybe I would catch it at the right moment. I could just, you know, get through there. I couldn't really believe that it had happened so quickly as all of that, you know. Um, I kind of thought maybe it didn't have to apply to me. It's going to apply at some point, but it doesn't have to apply to me right now in this moment when I need to get Tom to his piano lesson on the other side of it. It doesn't have to apply to me. I didn't want to believe it, and it was inconvenient for me in that moment, and that is why I squeezed through and faced the fact that, in fact, the sign was telling me the truth. And when Jesus is talking to those scribes and Pharisees, he's talking to them and and he says, no sign will be given to you apart from this sign of Jonah, apart from my resurrection. But when he says that, it's kind of hyperbole. They've seen loads of signs. He's exaggerating. Those guys have seen signs. They have seen signs of healings. They have seen signs of miracles. They've seen signs of deliverances. They've seen any number of things that could point them to the truth that this is Jesus. He's the Messiah. And the only response to him, the only sensible, rational rational response to him is to get down on your knees and worship him as Lord. They'd seen it. They'd seen enough signs. And Jesus was speaking to them and saying, it's not that you haven't seen enough signs it's that you don't in your heart for whatever reason actually want to believe them you don't want to follow them you don't want to make a move on the basis of them so that they are seen to be true and Jesus said his resurrection would just be another sign for them like that it wouldn't do any good because already in their hearts they had closed off to believing in him. You know, I want to finish this message here today because maybe you're here today and you know that you have seen lots of signs 
in your life. You've seen some everyday signs. You've maybe seen some supernatural ones, had some supernatural experiences. But actually, you know that you haven't yet really followed them to find Jesus and to grab hold of his feet and to hear his voice speaking to you because he's got things to say to you in your life. He's got words for you that will actually change things and unlock things for you and transform the things that you have been finding difficult and crushing and overwhelming. He has got words for you that are specific and personal. He knows you and he knows your situation. And if you will make a move on the basis of the signs that you've seen, and if you will come towards Jesus and worship him, then you will hear his voice and you will know his freedom and you will receive that gift that he wants to give you of a new kind of life, a resurrected life, the life that he won for us when he came out of the grave and that he has got to give to all of us who come and open our hearts to him. And maybe you know that there are other people around you who know Jesus in that kind of way, in a way that is beyond the signs. Someone who's greater than Jonah. The most important relationship that you could ever have in your life. Maybe you know that others have that, but you haven't quite found it yet. A relationship with your creator. A relationship with the saviour of your soul. And if that's you, if you know that's you, then we're going to have an opportunity just now to do that, to make a move and to take a step towards Jesus and maybe to pray a prayer, something like, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. Thank you that you want to give me your resurrection life today for all eternity. Lord Jesus, come and do your work in me. Change me. Change my heart. Forgive me. Turn my life into something else that brings glory to you. And if you've never really prayed that kind of a prayer before, And if you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus before, no matter how long you've been coming to church, no matter how many signs you've seen and recognized and acknowledged, but you've never really moved on them, then I just want to invite you now, just in the quiet place where the rest of us, we're going to just bow our heads and be quiet with Jesus for a moment. But I want to invite you, if you know that's you, you've not really taken that step before, would you mind just putting your hand in the air? Because we just want to send some people who will pray for you very simply in this time of worship that we close with in a moment. So I'm going to invite you and leave some space. Just give a little wave if that's you. Okay, well, we're going to worship now. And I'm just going to ask if Liz will come forward. I will send her to pray with somebody. But let's just come, worship team. And we're going to worship Jesus. And for the rest of us, I want to invite us to stand up.
and to get hold of the feet of Jesus this morning and to go beyond the signs and the feelings and to reach into what he's got to say. I believe the Lord wants to speak some words to some individuals here. So let's worship before we close. Let your name